Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016 I helped him launch his very first membership he had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership in his first launch he got a hundred and thirty members bringing him in about sixty thousand in income every year now He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 195. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, How Are Things? So this week I've got a great interview for you. But before we jump into that, I just want to remind you again that I'm going to be doing a live email list building masterclass. It's going to be about an hour long. They're on the 29th of June. And if you head over to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash email masterclass, then you can find all the details. But basically, we're going to look at how to get your first 100 subscribers and the do's and don'ts of building a list. Some of the pitfalls you should avoid and some of the ways to help accelerate building your list. So if you want to join me for that, then please do come along. I would love to see you. And you get to pick my brain and ask me questions, which, you know, is always nice. Okay, this week we've got an amazing episode because I interviewed the very lovely Shayla and I'll do her proper intro in a sec, but basically we talked about money and charging and selling things that I think most of you listening are probably like, oh, not so much, thanks. And I think, I know lots of you are, are female and I think for women, sometimes that is a very difficult thing to do to have faith in what you charge, to feel strong about what you charge and to go out there and ask for it. And we often, and I see this a lot with my members, they undercharge. They they think I'm not worth that money or they think I can't possibly charge that money or someone's not going to think I'm worth it. And, and I would say, I think that's more of a feminine thing that we think like that. So this episode is a really good one because not only does she talk about 
how to sell a high ticket item without being sleazy and horrible. And if you don't have a high ticket item, don't panic because we talk so much more around this, but how you can sell without feeling horrible. She also talks about mindset around pricing and money and getting comfortable with us going out there and saying, this is what I charge. And then the other thing she talks about, which literally blows my mind, is the fact that she's a mum of six, six children, like wowzers, and she homeschools them while running a very successful business. Now, do you know what? I've just recorded the episode I did last week because I'm batching, so I record all at the same time. And in that episode, I talk about the fact, if you didn't listen, that I want... Uh, I want a home manager. I want someone to help me with the house and the food and the everything else because it's so much work. Could, I've just got a daughter who is only here half the time because she lives between me and her dad. I've got a stepson who's 18, so doesn't really take a whole lot of looking after. And two dogs and me and my husband. Like, I maybe should have a word of myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I can't manage. But yeah, like six children. So let me find her official bio to read you. Okay. So Shayla Boyd Gill juggles being an entrepreneur with being a wife of 24 years and a mum of six homeschool children. Still can't get over that. She went from bankruptcy to multiple six-figure business and now Shayla is a family freedom and affluence. Gosh, I can't speak. How many times have I told you I hate reading? Um, Affluence mentor and creator of Lux Your Business. Uh, sales systems and sales strategists who shows women entrepreneurs how to have it all, family, freedom, and affluence while doing what they love. She teaches her clients service-based businesses to restructure their businesses and live by boosting their higher ticket sales so they can make more money in less time without a heavy client load. So she really is an expert at this. And like I said, she was so we had such fun. I love it when that happens. Because obviously sometimes when I have people on the podcast, I've never actually spoken to them before the time I interviewed them, but it was just so nice to chat to her. She really is lovely. I'm obviously going to link up to everything in the show notes, but I hope you enjoy today's episode. I am really excited today to welcome to the podcast, Shayla Boyd-Gill. Shayla, how are you doing? Doing great, Teresa. So glad to be here. Great stuff. Great stuff. We were just chatting about COVID before we got on and about how we can't wait for the world to open up and fly somewhere amazing again, because you live in a lovely part of the States and uh, and a part I've not been to. So yeah, I can't wait. It's, anyway, it's, <laughs> it's, it's either that we, like I chat about all the weather when someone's not from the UK, it's like, so what's the weather like that? Now it's a very British thing. We like to ask about weather mainly because it appears that lots of other countries have better weather than we do. So I think that's why we ask all the time. But anyway, we didn't bring you on to talk about that. So we always start off the same way with you telling my audience how you got to do what you're doing now. And your story is pretty cool. So I will just let you get on and say that to us. It's a pretty wild story, you know, um, Again, thank you for letting me be here. So my journey definitely started from a world of birthing. I was a doula, childbirth educator, and lactation consultant. So all about babies. And from there, I understood in that field, there was an issue with abundance. That's a giving community. It's it, we're, we're giving of our energy. We're bringing in new life. But there was a lot of issues around charging for services. Right. I understood the value of the services that I provided. And so I was okay with charging for them. And I actually started teaching other birth workers to do the same. 
during that time, I worked so hard that I burned out mm-hmm. pretty quickly because I was gung-ho. So I knew I could teach women how to sell, but I didn't have to stay in that industry. I decided I'm not going to continue to do the birth work after over 300 births. I needed to figure out how I could spend time with my kids. I have six, by the way, (laughs) and preserve my energy. So I said, let me take this skill. And the skill I understood is I understood how to build a business. I understood how to sell. I understood how to transform lives. And so from there, I went into the coaching business. And it was a gradual thing. First, I coached birth workers. Then I brought on other women that were just starting their businesses. And I've been able to grow that rapidly over the years and sustain the business through everything (laughs) that we've been through. But it's been a journey. And it was definitely, it was up and down, touch and go at points, but I was able to figure out how to make it work. Okay. So there's like, I just pulled across my notebook and, and quietly tried to pick up my pencil to jot a few things down so I didn't forget them. Cause you just like really casually said a whole load of things there. So first off, like I've got to ask about the job as a doula, cause that is now we, we do have doulas in the UK, but they're not very well known. I think it's definitely more well known in the States. Yeah. But like, what was, how do you get into doing that? Because it's not a midwife, is it? So No, it's not a midwife. You yeah. know, your midwife certified can catch and deliver a baby. I always say the doula is the person that's with you from the beginning of the pregnancy until you've had the birth and a little beyond. We spend more time with you than any provider that you'll ever pay yeah. to be with you because we are the mindset coach. We are the physical coach, the trainer to get you prepared for it with all of the knowledge you gain from the professionals. We're there to advocate on your behalf. And so I started because I had three really amazing birthing experiences. And what I noticed was the community that I came from, women were having awful stories. Like when you talk to people and you'll say, Hey, you know, how was the, how was the birth? They're like, Oh, it was horrible. It was the worst thing ever. Or this thing happened. Or my doctor did this and I had surgery and we know surgery is necessary sometimes. But what we saw, there were women who felt like they weren't being heard. No one was advocating for them. They were being told, this is what you're going to do, but no one ever asked them, what do you want? Yeah. And I said, if my experience was so great, there's a gap here. Something's missing. Maybe it's an education gap. Maybe it's just not having access or knowing that these services exist. And so my job was really to share with my community and beyond opportunities that are out there with your birth experience. And how could I help you to stand up for yourself and your family? And it just took off. I was like, first, let's teach you. Let me become a childbirth educator. Then my students would ask, could you come to the birth with me? I'm like, oh, really? You want me? In your birth? I thought that was weird, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, that's a thing. You really want me? Really? In the like, really? <laughs> and it just, I, it was a natural next step for me. And I just, I knew I had a mission to advocate for women and make sure they had better birthing experiences, especially here where I live. That's amazing. And like, I can, as you're talking, I can totally hear why there's an abundance problem and why there's a being charged for what you do because you do something where now I'm going to surmise a lot and if I'm wrong by all means please call me out on this right (laughs) you do something that is probably quite difficult to get down on paper like saying some coaches okay so when people are like no but what do you actually do no but 
how do you actually help? It's mm-hmm. sometimes I got a team member in my team who uh, her job is almost like an exec kind of right hand woman thing. And if someone said to me, what does she actually do for you? I'd be like, I'd like it's hard to say. <laughs> I don't know how I explain it. But yeah. I know that when I get on a call with her and I talk things things through through and she talks back to me and helps me get them straight in my head, that it's like, yeah, you're worth every single penny I pay. Exactly. But when you try and then justify it, it's really hard. And not only have you got that difficulty, which I can see lots of coaches having and lots of people in a more supporting role. But also you're doing something that one, there are people there to do it. Now, obviously in the States, it's very different here. We have the NHS, so there's a, it's entirely free. Two, it's a very natural thing. And again, when I think about coaches, you know, well, you should just be able to be happy or you should just be able to cope or, you know, so I can, I can understand the issues around that abundance. So how did you, how did you tackle that? And how did you, what were your skills for kind of going, this is why you pay for it? Yeah. So I, I understood number one, just showing up. I looked at what was already existing and I looked at how the women in my industry, in the birthing industry were showing up. And so we had this running joke, you know, we're in Birkenstocks, you yeah. know, <laughs> so this is sandals. I don't know if you all are familiar yeah, with them, but, you, you yeah. know, real hippie. Yeah. But I wasn't hippie. You know, and I'm like, huh, okay, do I fit into this community? So I walked in, I knew, I know something that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I know something that you need to know. And I would sit, people would invite me into their homes. I would have a conversation and I would let them know, I want to be able to guide you. I don't want to replace your husband or your partner. I don't want to tell you what to do. I want to guide you to get what you say you want. And I always promise there's nothing guaranteed. Yeah. I cannot guarantee the outcome, but I can guarantee that you'll have an experience that you will feel proud of no yeah. matter how it ends. And that's all they wanted. That's all yeah. they wanted. And so I would show up and the first thing people started saying is you're so professional. I'm like, well, how are people showing up here? I'm confused yeah, yeah. because we were showing up as our, our hippie holistic selves, yeah. which is fine. But I had order, I had content, and I didn't know what content was at that time, but I came, I would have information packets for them. I had branded folders. Uh, My husband's like, why are you buying these laminated branded folders? I didn't know why, but I'm like, I want my business to feel and look like a business. Yeah. Birthing schools train you to do the work of a doula or a childbirth educator, but they don't train you to own a business. And so I said, I want it to feel like a business. I'm spending money on this training. It needs to feel like a business. I had branded shirts. So I walked in as a business owner that happened to be someone that was able to guide and support them through a holistic experience. But holistic, the holistic experience didn't look and feel like a holistic business that was not cared for. They understood this is going to, this person's going to take care of me. This is a real business. I trust giving my money to this company, even though it was just me. Uh-huh. They trusted the brand. Yeah. That's what it was. And I think you've hit on it perfectly. You, you showed up as a business and therefore it made perfect sense that someone was going to pay you yes. for your service because you are a business. And therefore, no matter what it was that you were selling, no matter the skills involved, no matter, you know, because I, I can only imagine some 
mothers of the mums would be like, oh, what do you need them for? You've got me or... Yeah, you know? <laughs> I bet you've had that a lot. <laughs> like, you know, because they, they didn't see, but when you turn up and go, no, this is how serious I am about it. And how amazing for you in terms of how inbuilt for you must that have been? Because this is the other really interesting thing that I find as a small business owner, but also as someone who teaches small business owners is that we come into the business world because we're really good at the thing we do. Okay. So you were an amazing doula. I'm great at marketing. Someone else is great at coaching. Someone else is great at, I've got somebody who makes wedding cakes and all various different businesses. But the thing that none of us had is how to run a business. That's it. And, and that is like, that is so, I had such a wake up call when I started my business because I thought, Marketing is part of business. I've worked with businesses. I'm in a business. Yeah. <laughs> like, how hard could this be? This is like, mm-hmm. no, it's so different. And that point you said exactly about feeling that you can actually charge when it's up here or when it's experience, mm-hmm. when it's not a physical product that I can hand over to you and go, there you go. It cost me X amount to make and right. I put X amount on. There's my price. So, so that is, that for me is amazing that you did that at that point almost like showing your route that the route was the business route the doula thing was lovely and you loved it but so what can I just ask like what is it like seeing over 300 births that is just crazy it's amazing you know when I go back and I look at the numbers I'm like really I still have files and I, I, I asked myself, did you really do this? And how did you do this? But I also tell myself, this is exactly why you burned out so rapidly because there was a high demand. The part of the business I didn't know was how to bring on a team. Yeah. So had I brought on a team and had other doulas that worked with me, I was a little afraid of having the responsibility of having to have a team and making sure there was enough demand for the service for the expansive team. And so I kind of limited it, but I was like, yes, I'll help you. Yes, I'll help you. And no, people would say, but this person not? said, right. And people would say, well, this person said that they wanted that I should talk to you and you're the only one. And I'm like, how did I put myself in this box that I'm the only one now? And when I would try to bring on other people, there was this, uh, no, we want you. I'm like, what did I do wrong? I got it. Okay. So I built the brand, but I built the brand around me being the brand. So I'm the brand, it was called Birth Diva. And they were like, we want Birth Diva. If Birth Diva is not coming, we don't want the birth experience with your company. Again, (laughs) even that brand does not say doula. Like, no, that's not hippie, woo woo. You know, it's, I love it. And that's why you stood out. It's because you weren't necessarily following the mold. And I bet like, if you'd come to someone in the early days and go, right, so I can either be you know, and some really kind of doulery sounding name or birth either they'd be like, don't have that one because it just sounds right. so right there. But actually that was probably your strongest thing, wasn't it? It was, it was the strongest thing. And I understood that I didn't know business, but my prior to birth, my career, my graduate's degree or not graduates, but what I graduated with was a degree in construction engineering technology. Weird. Okay. That and birthing is so similar. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Similar, but I was a project manager. Okay. okay? So I understood processes. I understood how to put things together, how to build the best team when it came to you need a midwife or a doctor or an OBGYN and a doula. You might need this person. I understood steps. Yeah. So as long as I understood steps, I understood that I could build something. 
So yeah. instead of building buildings, I'm building a business. Yeah. I always tell people now I, you know, I worked in birthing babies, helping my clients to birth their babies. Now I help people to birth their businesses. Yeah. But then now, like with the scaling, I'm helping you to grow up your business. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it all is related. Every skill that you take from whatever you do, you transfer over. You're bringing a little piece of whatever your background was to everything that you touch. You just look at it and say, how can I enhance what I'm doing yeah. now based on what I did then? I love it. So I want to ask you about obviously how your business looked when you're a doula to how your business looks today, which is entirely different. But before yeah. I do, I've got to ask about your six children. <laughs> how old are your children? Like they they range from children. seven, they're ranging from seven to 24. Yeah, oh it's a, it's a whole situation. <laughs> I honestly, I have one daughter and one stepson that lives here. And my daughter only have half the time because she shares between me and her dad. I just, I don't know how anybody could do that. I just like running a business and having all of that, like that just blows my mind. How people They're a business too. Okay. So <laughs> running them is like running a business, running the household is a whole separate business. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a journey, right? I left construction. I told you I had three children by the time I started the birthing business. By the time I had three, I decided to pull them out of school because I wanted to run a business and I was going to be home. So I decided to homeschool them while running these businesses. Oh so my I, God. I, I, my it was a journey. <laughs> silly, silly me. I said, I'm going to homeschool my kids and I'm going to make some money on the side. And then the business blew up, but I decided I, it wasn't fair for me to just throw them back into school. So I had to figure out how to navigate homeschooling with running a business. And I was able to do it. There's still four left that are homeschooled. The other two, they're older. We got college. One's graduating from college. One's graduating from high school this year. It's a lot, but we make it work in my household. My household functions. My husband and I, we function. We get what needs to get done. And I have flexibility because I own my business. That is like we, us parents who have had to had to homeschool our children during mm -hmm. lockdown, have yeah. had a small insight to what it's like to homeschool. Yes. That was more than enough for me to go. I'll never do that again, ever in a million years. Um, that wasn't. That wasn't. And I, I and I sympathize with each and every one of you that were kind of pushed into homeschooling yeah. because that's, I tell people I'm not traditional nor am I conventional in my homeschooling. Yeah. I did not choose to homeschool my children so they can sit on a computer from nine until three yeah. or for a whole day and have class. That's not homeschooling. Yeah. That's like, you can send your kids to school if that's the case. And I don't have time to do that, but we, we school in chunks of time. Yeah. We do theme-based sometimes. Sometimes everyone's learning the, some, the same thing. Sometimes they're not. We have a correspondent school for the older kids. They send their work somewhere else. I'm like, listen, just do the work. Yeah. Make sure it's done. Let me see it. Oh, you did it? Okay, great. We do, um, one of my daughters, she does high school, plus she's doing college at the same time. So she's able to start getting her credits. So it doesn't feel the way that it was feeling for many people yeah. over the past year. I hear what you're saying. That has to be exhausting you're used to working a job and then all of a sudden you're a teacher yeah and you're sitting yeah. at the computer especially with the younger kids and trying to manage their homework and their schoolwork lunch and everything else that's a lot yeah I feel for them you know and that's that's really kind of you to say because obviously you know having the children that you've got the business that you've got the doing the work but being so honest in the fact of homeschooling isn't 
what we were all trying to do. We were trying no. to replicate school. Yes. And we couldn't because all, and the problem is there were so many mums and and I'm going to say predominantly mums, there was, I'm sure there was some dads, but the people I heard were for mums that just felt like they were failing at everything. Like felt like they were the worst at everything. And if I'm so honest, which I am. So the first lockdown where my daughter got homeschooled, she's, she's very lucky. She goes to a very nice school and uh, because it's a school I pay for, I think they were very conscious of the fact of they wanted to still provide a level of service because I paid for it, you know? Right. So, so they did homeschool her on computer, on screen, like between nine and four or something every day. But okay. she'd go off and have to have like PE or whatever and be like, <laughs> just sit on a game for that time. But mm-hmm. I was getting really involved the first time and I was watching what she was doing. And then I was like, you're not paying attention. You're not doing, and I'd hear what they said. No, you should have written the whole thing. And yeah. I was, we were arguing all the time. And then lockdown two happened and she got homeschooled again. And I literally sat on a call one day with my members as, as lots of the mums in there were like, I can't do this again. What am I going to do? And I went, I don't care. As in, I don't care mm-hmm. how much she does. And yeah. they looked at me and they said, I know I sound awful, but I can't. This is a situation that is so unlike any other situation. I am not trying to be a homeschooler. I am not trying. If mm-hmm. I did, I'd have to work out a way to make it work. But I wasn't. And right at that point, she was getting some education it was up to her teachers to make sure she was doing what she did. If she wasn't, then on their head, you know, their heads be it. The same as my daughter, I said to her, you're 11 now and you know what you got to do. And I don't want to sit here and fight with you every day that you're here yeah. because you're not doing what you want to do or you should be doing. So, and I can't because I haven't got the energy of the time. So, yeah, well, it reminds us, it reminds us as a business owner, if you just jumped into your business without any kind of system, you would feel awful. You would probably fail at it or you Mm. would just be struggling for no reason. So the the concept of everyone take on the responsibility of schooling your children and that's not a system that you already have in place, it's going to feel overwhelming. It took us years to figure out a system. I had to try so many different types of homeschooling systems to figure out the best one for my household. You were giving no advance notice. Yeah. It's just, here's the system, you know, here's the, the, the broken system yeah. or the partial system. We're going to give you a piece of the puzzle. You have to figure out the rest. Good luck. And, and by the way, you still continue doing all the things you're doing. And for, yeah. for us who have online businesses, nothing changed. Like nothing. I'm, I'm grateful to say that my business maintained yes. and grew during yes. that period, but it just made the whole, like, you know, when people, and none of my members are like this, but some of my friends were like, oh, well, I've been furloughed. And I'd be like, what? I'd really like to be furloughed. <laughs> love six months <laughs> off that would be amazing but yeah it was so hard anyway anyway we I could talk about this forever so let's talk about where you are now so, so like I said your day as a, as a doula and I can see and only imagine how you burnt out because that must be intense your mm-hmm. hours you're doing the times you're working the availability yeah what does your business look like now like how's oh. your days yeah <laughs> If you had to sum up in a sound effect. <laughs> in, in, a, in a true sound effect, it's like, yes. Okay, so I'll tell you this. There, It was probably four or five years ago. I did a Facebook Live. And in the Facebook Live, I had my phone. And I said, this right here, I never have to worry about it again. Because I used to sleep with my phone in my bed. 
or by my pillow. And I said, I never have to sleep with my phone anymore. We've broken up because I was so connected to that device. That device was my business. Had I missed a phone call, that means I was going to miss a birth. Babies don't have schedules. No, annoying. There's there's no block time. Like you can say there's an an estimated due date. Yeah. But they show up at the most inopportune times, usually. (laughs) So now as as a coach in the coaching industry, I have the ability to really create the schedule I desire. So I understand when I choose, and this is the, the key word is choose. So when I choose to coach my clients, when I choose to be available, when I choose to shut my business down and go to sleep mm-hmm. at whatever time I desire, when I choose to go on a vacation yeah. and not have to worry that I'm going to get that call on vacation and have to find a backup because surprise, <laughs> the little yeah. one decided to come early. So I have so much more flexibility in my business now. One of the things that I used to talk about with my with my business, I call myself the family freedom and affluence mentor. And I say freedom is absolutely important to me. Most of us started a business because we wanted freedom. Maybe you worked nine to five or work for a corporation. And you said, I'm going to leave my business so I can have more freedom to do what I want to do. And you ended up probably working more hours, always doing more. Yeah. <laughs> so Stop. most of us didn't create freedom initially. So when I started the second business, I said, I need to do this the right way. Yeah. I need to make this the business I truly desire. It needs to be able to bring me the financial stability that I need. It needs to give me the freedom to be with my family and not sacrifice the time with them for the sake of making money. And it needs to make me feel happy. I want to wake up and feel joyful. I want to talk to my clients and know that they're thriving, but they're not dependent on me. Yeah. I created a dependency in the birthing business, which was expected kind of, but I didn't want that anymore. I have kids. I don't want anyone dependent on <laughs> yeah, you've got enough people depending on you. You don't need that. Yeah. So I wanted to transform lives, but I wanted to also teach women through that transformation that you're empowered. You can do this work. You can grow. You can thrive. We can be together. We can have a community, but I'm not your only source. Yeah. There are so many of us that are available to you. And when I want to step away, because I'm slightly introverted, when I want to step away, I want to step away. And that's what I have now, the freedom to do those things. See, I love that you just talked about all that because often in the online space, and you will see this, I'm sure, the talk of a dream business or a a business that is, you know, your perfect business always talks Mm -hmm. about money. And actually, for me, the fact that I get to, you know, yesterday, it's Tuesday, Tuesday, yeah, yesterday was Monday, didn't get out of bed till about half past nine and meditated quite slowly. I then did some stuff. Then I got myself some brunch. Then I did something else. Then I did some work. And yeah. the fact that I get to choose that and I get to decide who goes in my diary, when they go in my diary, what that looks like and the activities that I do. Don't get me wrong. The money is really important. And mm-hmm. you know, everyone, well, not everyone, lots of people want a, a good income and nice things. But the fact that Everything you just said, the fact that you can take the time, no one has control over you. No one is dependent Mm -hmm. on you. And I love the fact, because I think there are lots of people out there who are in roles like yours, 
that wants people to depend on them because then in yeah. their heads, they'll stick around forever and they'll pay them forever. But you and I are in exactly the same thing. I want people, I want people to stay with me because they like right. me and my energy. Mm-hmm. However, my aim is always to give them skills that they don't need me because yeah. what is the point in in putting time and effort in stuff where they always have to come back. So I love that that's how, that's where you're coaching from. That's where you've come from. So one of the things you coach on is about higher ticket items. Correct. So what I want to do is just ask and just talk about, because we chatted before we got on about all the various types of people that are listening to the podcast. And there's probably a whole chunk of you that are listening that don't have a higher ticket item. Mm -hmm. And I just want to kind of address the, the point of why should we and how might that look in our business? Yeah. And this is a good question because there are people that say, you know, who, why would I do a high ticket? And there's several myths I want to help first. Let's debunk a few myths when it comes to high ticket, because the one thing people may think is I'm not qualified to charge high ticket. Yeah. That's a big one. People will come and say, that's cool. You can do that because you've been in this industry X amount of time, but I don't qualify. There's no organization that's certifying you to do high ticket. There's no person that's telling you that you qualify. It's all internal. You have to know. So it's just like me in the birthing business. I had a high ticket birthing business. Everyone else was doing what they did, (laughs) but I understood the value. So number one myth is you're not qualified. You are qualified. Mm -hmm. You just need to say yes to that qualification for yourself. And if you're going to say yes to it, you do have to bring true value to the table. You do have to deliver what you're promising. You can't just throw a zero behind a few numbers and say, now I'm high ticket. Yay. That's not how we're doing it. Okay. But you do have to, you do have to do what you say you can do, but you qualify yourself. Number two, the myth, no one will pay me that one that much. No one will ever pay me that much because maybe you are having a low ticket business and you're thinking there's no way possible I can transition, shift, or add this piece to my business because they only know me for this. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Again, you're providing value. You're providing stellar services. People will pay what they, they'll pay for what they want. Simple as that. But a a way that I really teach my clients to do that is through what I call um, their seven Lux touch points. And when you add these elements to whatever product or service you are creating, it's going to instantly elevate and amplify that service. So you will be able to charge and it's not a fraudulent number. (laughs) It's not just like, oh, you know, this is worth $50,000. No, it's true value that you're bringing in. And the other thing is just overall the the lack of abundance. You know, if if you don't have an abundant mindset, sometimes you will prevent yourself from asking for what you really want. So mm-hmm. you may truly want a higher ticket service, but if your mindset's telling you I'm not worthy, yeah, it, I'm not capable, it's greedy, people can't afford this, then you will never step into that place. Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad thing. It's a choice. It's a choice. But if it's just the mindset that's keeping you from making that shift, you need to ask yourself where that's coming from. And that may be that you need a little, you may need to do a little excavation process Mm -hmm. of what money stories are you carrying? What were your beliefs around money? What happened? Like, I know one of my stories around money was bankruptcy. 
So we filed for bankruptcy and I just felt like the, the most awful woman ever. How could yeah. you generate this kind of money and have to file for bankruptcy? This was 2010. And then from there, I'm like, how am I going to go back and start asking for money again? No one's going to trust me with their money because I had to file for bankruptcy. So you have to look, what's the source? What's, what's that reason? I had to heal and forgive myself from that piece to be able to elevate again. You have to find your story so that you can give yourself permission. And I'm going to tell you one tip when it comes to that elevation of the mindset. One of the best things a, a coach of mine told me was, you keep treating yourself as if you are a liability. The actual, the actual truth is you're an asset. Yeah. But until you stop viewing yourself as a liability, you will always struggle. And when she said that, I was like, I had no idea I was carrying that weight on my shoulder. No idea that I was sitting in that place of lack, doubt, non-worthiness. It was ridiculous. As soon as I got that for myself, I was able to really heal, forgive, and ask for what I wanted without feeling sleazy about it. I think that's another thing. People feel like, oh, the yeah. people that charge that much are those people. I'm like, well, who are those people? <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what? It's so funny you say that. Like, so I have the 90-day program that I do, which is one-to-one. Now, I tried to keep yeah. the cost slightly lower and have it as a group program. Didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Like, no, the people who did the group program, I'm sure if I asked them, they wouldn't say it didn't work. It didn't right. work for me. I Exactly. I wanted that completely devoted time to them and their business but getting busier and busier and busier I mm-hmm. I had to up the price because I can't I, you know I couldn't manage all the people that were coming through so one right. of the ways in which I could filter down that that those people coming through is to put the price up and and I think there is an, an element of you know it feels this is really like mm-hmm. Oof, putting it out there yeah. and it was so funny because I I not long made this change and the the 90 day program used to open and close and open and close because of the fact it was group and I've recently just updated the page and mm-hmm. the 90 day program open all the time and there's a button that says apply now because this is a high yeah. item yes. therefore the chances of someone going to that page reading a sales page and go oh yeah great here's my credit card thanks so much Teresa and I don't want them to because mm-hmm. I've got to work with them for 90 days yeah. Not on a one-to-one level, I need to know that I'm going to be a good fit to them and them to me. So I had a friend contact today and say to me, this friend is in business. And, he, and this friend said to me, um, oh, I've just been looking at someone's site and they've got apply now. Oh, isn't it horrible? You don't do that, do you? <laughs> By the way, I do. Thank you. <laughs> but that was the thing. So I went back to them and I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> And so we had a bit of a discussion over like voice notes, sort of saying, you know, why they thought it was. And and, and they said that the person they'd seen do it, they suspected they weren't as busy as they were making out. Mm. They were just doing it to fake it till you make it and all this sort of yeah. thing. And then yeah. I explained why I have an apply process. And I said, it's because it's a lot of money. No one's just going to buy. And I need to make sure that their expectations measure up to what I can deliver and I'm confident I can deliver for them. And, and therefore it's a conversation before we get started. And yeah. from the apply, they get a phone call or a Zoom call with me. And then at the end of that Zoom call, there's no hard selling. There's where well, you've seen the price because it's been on there from 
the minute you applied mm-hmm. uh, do you want to do it yes or no if it's no not a problem if it's yes cool let's go so it was just really it just really made me laugh that he was like you don't have that apply that do you and I was like yeah I do but and and people will project their their thoughts their opinions on you and he could have the person could have actually said that to you and you could have gone the opposite direction and say oh I do have that on it let me take that off but it's really cool that you stood in it Hmm. because you knew and understood what was important to your business and the type of client that you wanted to attract to that program so this makes this speaks to another thing with high ticket programming especially you want to filter you want to filter out who you're going to be willing to spend your time with yeah and a belief is When you're charging high ticket, you have to give more. It's going to take more of your time. I find it to be the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, the type of clients that will invest high ticket with me are typically pretty busy. Mm -hmm. They want an exclusive experience. Therefore, they're willing to invest at a higher level. And they're fairly committed to doing what they say they're going to do. And our calls are really concise. I don't rush them, but they know what they want. They're not looking to have me sit with them every day, all day. They don't call me. We have really good boundaries, but it's a trusting relationship. And those clients I find are the ones that actually renew over and over. Because sometimes once we've gotten to level one, they're wanting the next level or they want the accountability to go along with it. They don't want a lot. They're not asking for a lot. So higher ticket clients actually save you time. Yeah. And you're right. So bearing in mind, I've got an academy that's $59 a month. Yes. And the high ticket item is just under the $5,000 mark for the 90 days. And and the 90 day students have access to me between their calls via email. So they can email me at any point. Now, they know I'm not going to jump on it that same second. It might take to get back to them, but they can email me at any point. Another reason why I don't want too many people doing this. Right. And I'll respond to them. And I probably get more DMs from my academy members to my (laughs) people. And, you know, don't get me wrong. That's up to me to manage the academy. And and, and inevitably, I'll normally go back to them and go, do you know what? This is a great question. And it would... I really need that in the group because I want mm-hmm. everybody else to see that question and see the answer and that sort of thing. Yes. But you're right. They they don't take up the time. It's very succinct. It's very direct. It's they have access to the academy while they're a 90 day student. Mm-hmm. They very rarely use it because exactly. Because they know they get on a call with me, we go, so what did you do there? This, 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 right, do this thing, do this thing. And they're driven and they take action. Mm-hmm. And that is a lovely thing for someone who's, and you'll experience this, when you are coaching people, when you're working with people, that's what we want. We want them to do as we say. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what we want. I always, and I jokingly tell people when I have sales calls or discovery calls with them, I'm like, I'm a mom of six. My job is not to be your mom. I don't want to parent you. So I need someone that is highly coachable. And if you know that's not your way, we're probably not going to be a good fit. I'm very transparent with people and they understand I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm not the one for it. Now, there's some people you can pay to do that, but I'm looking for a specific type of client Mm -hmm. and I help people to count themselves out. (laughs) So, yes, they will come to my apply page. And if it's not a fit, I'm not getting on the phone based on the application if it's really not a fit based on the answers to the questions. So. 
that means my rate of sales, the closures that I have on the phone is fairly high because yeah. I've hyper filtered everything. And as you said, by the time we get on the phone, you know the price. So it's, you're only getting on the phone with me. Number one, if, and sometimes I'll do this in a video. So it's a video that says, hey, this is the program. This is what we're going to do. This is what I'm requiring of you. And this is going to be an amazing fit for you. If number one, you're committed, this is the outcome you're looking for. Also, if this price point is a great fit for you, here's your next step. Schedule a call with me, but only schedule if you're prepared to make a deposit or a payment. Yeah. During this call, we'll determine if we're a good fit. And if we are, there's an expectation that we're yeah. going to take the next step. If it's not, if you know you're not prepared to make a payment, if it's a good fit, you don't have the money available, which is fine. Yeah. Let's not schedule a call. Let's not waste time Yeah. unless we're making the next move. And I, I keep it simple as that. <laughs> and I think that's really important because I've got people who are bless them, amazing, lovely, wonderful people that are desperate yeah. to do the 90-day program with me. Yeah. And even yeah. had conversations where they're like, you know, I could I could possibly get a credit card. I'm like, do you know what? I, I don't want that. I do not right. want, I am all for pushing yourself. And I, in the past, have done exactly the same. I've paid money for big programs. We all have. Made me feel very uncomfortable. Yes. But I had the money to, to pay it. I yes. did put myself into a position where, I could get myself into real trouble. You know, don't get me wrong. I was out of my comfort zone and I was a bit like, I'm going to have to work a bit here. But, (laughs) you know, it it wasn't like, I'm going to put it all on a credit card and if it doesn't work, I'm bankrupt. You know, it it was like, you've got to, this is, I don't mind it pushing out your comfort zone by having to go, oh, I'm going to have to pay that money. But because that will make you do the work. And that Mm. is a key thing. If it was a free thing, no one would do it, would they? Right, correct, correct. So, you know, they've got to, they've got to feel a little bit like, poor. that's, you know, that's a lot of money, but then they'll do the work. Whereas I really don't want anybody at that point where they're like, I'm just going to pull together every penny I've got on every credit card. And no, because then you're coming from a wrong mind mindset as well, aren't you? You can't sell when you're desperate. This is one thing I've learned. And I know for sure, if you are broke, you're desperate, people will feel that energy. Yeah. They're going to absolutely feel the energy. So I've had people to say, oh, if you let me work with you, I'm going to make this money up. And I'm like, I need you to be able to feed your kids, keep a roof over your head. And I need not to have that liability yeah. on my hands. I can't guarantee what you're going to do. I can guarantee what I'm going to teach you, what I will guide you to do. But what I can't promise is your outcome because I don't know how you perform. But if yeah. you're already showing up telling me I'm going to do something sketchy to get some money, I'm like, you sure you want to do that? Yeah, <laughs> Here, yeah. look, let's go through these books and these free resources instead. Yeah. Build up a little bit of something. You yeah. know, let's not exhaust because you can't come and live with me. I can't take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, so yeah. I totally agree. You know, I, I want people who it can be a it can be a push yeah. of a stretch like, woo, that was a lot, but I yeah. am capable of handling that responsibility. Yeah. And you're right about even when flip it the other way around when we're in desperate measures and I think with with high ticket items we absolutely can't be of Mm -hmm. all of our products like sometimes when I sell the academy I actually find it quite tricky to sell because it's 
it's so because I don't niche so if I said it's specifically for this type of business then I think yeah. it's easier to sell so sometimes when I sell the academy like I joke you know when I say to my husband I'm just going to go on and go what is wrong with you people this is amazing resource you should join this like I say that jokingly but you know yes, yes. like that whereas with the 90-day program I never worry about it I never mm-hmm. really advertise it I never really other than us chatting about it I don't talk about it from a structured bias view because the whole point of it is that it's high ticket and if someone's ready at that point they'll come along and they'll fill in the application form I'm not desperate for those people to come in and do it I'm not that's not where I'm getting all my income from so actually when we talked about why they should have one that's a really it's if you don't have one that's probably a really nice place to to just slot one in at the top Mm -hmm. With the kind of idea of, well, if someone buys it, they buy it. If they don't, they don't. Type. Yeah. And again, if if your if your people are being attracted to it, you can create consistent monthly revenue with it. Yeah. You can create higher monthly revenue with it, and you can do it with fewer people. So I love to tell people that I like making more money with fewer clients. Yeah. That's a joy for me. I really love it because it fits my lifestyle. Yeah. But you can add it in if you're doing low ticket, you can add it in as a boost. It just gives your income a boost so that you have that that extra piece there, that cushion while you're trying to fill your lower ticket groups. You have something to offer beyond that. And I do. It is a really nice bonus, I have to say, like, you know, it's nice when someone new comes along. Oh, that's cool. You know, a, a big chunk of money's come in, whereas obviously with the smaller ticket items, you have to work quite hard for those and you have to put a lot of effort into um, yeah. into doing that. So how many clients would you say, like, is there a figure that people should aim for? Or is there a, I mean, this is like the widest, hardest question ever. But like, <laughs> when you talk about like, you know, number of clients, so how many clients do you like to have? Because it, it takes work because it's one-to-one. It does take work. So I, I would be really mindful. So my high ticket could be my inner circle. Yeah. My inner circle just has 12 participants per year. Okay. So that's like wait list. If you're on it, you're in it. People saying, yeah. I want to be in the, the inner circle because no one knows what the inner circle is. So yeah. that's really exclusive. You're like, what do they do? I just noticed she was a part of it. How can I be a part of it? Yeah. And then we also have quarterly groups. Those quarterly groups we can do, we can max at 12 per quarter and individuals, I can take up to six private clients per year. So most of my time is actually spent with my groups, the quarterly group or the inner circle. Those are meeting like twice, twice a month and my individual clients, they will meet one to two times per month. That's it. It's not a lot. So I've got another question. I'm conscious of your time. So we'll, um, I don't want to, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but no problem. Another question is one of the things that stopped me off doing the group program, the higher ticket group program, mm-hmm. and then I did it. And then I decided actually, actually I like the one-to-one stuff. Yeah. Was that, what if you didn't fill the group? Like, yeah. So you have a minimum scary. for me. You, you want to have a minimum for that group. So as I said, it can go up to 12. On average, we have about eight people that will be a part of the group. I like to have more than two people because if one person doesn't show up, you don't have a group. No. You want that dynamic in the energy of it, but you want the right people in the group. So for me, I'm looking for a particular type of person to be a part of the group. Everyone's pretty much in the same space, so we can grow together pretty rapidly. Yes. It has 
has to be filtered. That's application also. And outcome, you do have to work a little differently with a group versus one-to-one. And so what I'll usually do is start them off with what I call a mini intensive individually, a private mini intensive. So I can get really clear on what the focus should be for that person in the group. And then after they do their private, it's a three hour mini intensive. Then we go into group calls. So it keeps them on track better. I can manage their energy better in that group because there is the concern of, will I get more access to you? But when it's a small group, you have all the access that you need. I don't do large groups because I don't want that much energy around me. I cannot manage the energy. It just does not work for me well at all. Yeah. And I like the fact of the results. Like, so I was part of a bigger group, high ticket item. It didn't. I did too. I was like, never. Yeah. And (laughs) I hesitate to say it didn't work for me because it's not that it didn't work for me. It just didn't fit me. It didn't fit my personality. I like to be. I weirdly I am an extrovert but when I'm over in the states it's almost like I turn into an introvert yeah. <laughs> and um because naturally I think people in in the UK are probably a little bit more introverted yeah um, and yes. I got lost which people yeah. knowing me would not believe for a second but I did I'd go into that group and I couldn't get a word in edgeways I I didn't right. have confidence <laughs> I didn't get anything answered you know I learned mm-hmm. lots of things from just hearing other conversations but I never had an opportunity to stand out and, mm. and that bothered me. And that's, yeah. you know, that's something that I really look at with my stuff is that I want yeah. to make sure that if they want to be heard, they're heard or they have an opportunity to be heard. That's a good, that's a good segue though, because a lot of the clients that will come to me, they come for that reason specifically. They've been a part of groups. They've tried to do it one way, or they came after they've built something low ticket. And now they're saying, I don't want thousands of clients. Yes, we'll keep this digital program, but now I want to have a more transformational program where I get to interact and know the clients. Or they've been in a group and and they said the same thing. I don't feel like I was known. I didn't have a space to fit in. And so they like being a part of my inner circle, for example, because they know that they're seen, they're heard. They, you know, we make sure that we're marketing on on our things. I'm sharing my clients with everyone. And so they're like, oh my gosh, finally someone sees me. Mm. So I totally get it. I think you have to experience several things to figure out what you like best for your personality. And you won't know until you invest in a few things. And then you're like, okay, this is not a fit. Yeah. I'll be doing (laughs) that again. (laughs) They're beautiful, expensive lessons. Yeah. That's what we call them. (laughs) They are indeed. They are indeed. Shelly, thank you so much. This has been so, so useful. It's been wonderful to talk to you. I am in awe of how you manage what you manage and with those amazing children of yours, because honestly, give me sitting at my desk any day compared to being a parent. I This is so much easier than trying to be a mum and a stepmom. So thank you so much for your time. Now, obviously I will link up to everything in the show notes, but if people want to come and find you, where's the best place? So they can easily come and find me on Facebook at Shayla Boyd Gill. Um, also, you can go to the website, shaylaboydgill.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Shayla. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. There we go. That was the lovely Shayla. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Like I said, do go and check out her links in my show notes and also go and sign up for that email masterclass. It's going to be really good fun and I can't wait to see you there. All right. Have a great week and I will see you next week.
Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 